Hello listeners and welcome to episode 4 of Retrospective Replay, a serialised episodic weekly podcast on video games. This is season 1, Vagrant Story. My name is Ian and with me tonight is Michael. Hello Michael. Hello Ian. How's it going? Yeah, not bad. Another week. How was your last section of the game that we just played? Yeah, it was okay. I think um, some of the um, enemies are getting more difficult, so I think that's noticeable. Yeah, we've got a lot to talk about tonight, I think. So when we start, we start at the Withered Spring. When we load the game, we move through the door with the Lily Sigil. Obviously, that turns to ashes, and we go through... And finally, we get a bit more story again. We get a cutscene. Ashley walks through the door. The camera cuts behind Ashley, and Harden can be seen watching him, but he's all grey. Yeah, he's just like a black and white version of himself. Yeah, he's like ethereal or something. It's yeah. not the same sort of colour as the ghost boy, because he was more white, wasn't he? This is more. This is darker. Mm, maybe. I, I don't know. I think it's just a character. It's, yeah... It was great. He 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 wasn't as faded as, as as the ghosts. The screen fades out, and then some music begins to play, and we are given a close up of Sydney, who was scratching something into the ground using his sort of hand needles, whatever you want to call them. We probably should come up with a terminology for those. His pointy fingers. I mean, they're more like claws. Yeah, they are more like claws. Melos can be seen in the background with her hands tied behind her back. Sydney turns to her and says, Do not attempt escape and no harm will come to you. She then asks him, What evil are you working here? And he replies, Just a little drawing, my dear. He then addresses Harden, asking what he thinks of it. So the camera trucks left and we see Harden with his back to Sydney, who asks, Is he even human? He fights with the strength of a brigade. We just saw Harden, obviously, in the Withered Spring room, but now we see him in this room with Sydney, so I think we can assume he's got some sort of power. He can watch over people, like, uh, what do you call it? Photo projection? Like the shining. You mean shining. Shh. You want to get sued? <laughs> yeah, um, Three Eyes of Horror, I'm going to mention that later again. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, he seems to have some way of projecting himself having an out-of-body experience so he can look at other people. I don't know what the technical term is for that, but that's what it seems to be. Yeah, and then I'm wondering if it's Harden's ability or is it something that Sidney has bestowed upon him. Yeah. Harden turns to Sidney and he says, I'll risk break as all is powerful, which is a bit of a weird sentence, right? Like, I would have said, are all risk breakers as powerful, but... Well, that's what I had written down, but obviously, yeah, it's not now. Thinking back, he says it in a kind of a roundabout way. Yeah, and is that just back to Old English, maybe? Because I think you know they've tried with Old English with with certain spellings. We were talked about it a few weeks ago, fairy, magic, although magic was a reason for that, but they put the word heart, you know, for the, the deer, so there's a few things in there. Sydney replies, I think not. Our Ashley is a vessel, you see. He is merely partaken of a power around him. It is as I have foreseen. Yeah, I think it's interesting how he refers to him as our Ashley. Well, he did say, didn't he, um, this this is a bit of a problem when you run a podcast like this because, you know, we've been playing this game for a month now and trying to think back to what happened only two hours ago in game time is four weeks for us. But he did say, do you remember when he sort of 
did a T-pose jump up yeah. onto the after the Minotaur and he said, um, I am the heart, you were the hunter, you give chase. Um, this is my game. He was talking about like power, like an unseen power within Ashley, wasn't he, at the time? Yeah, but I think it was interesting that he said our Ashley. Why did he refer to him specifically as our Ashley? Maybe he's from Northern England. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think as well, you know, yeah. as you say, it's a power that's around him. And, and yeah, I mean, that maybe is what he's trying to get yeah. to get access to this power. Yeah, yeah, very possibly. Harden asks what's next, and Sydney replies, let him give chase for a while. Harden shouts back that it's madness, and he's worried that the Blades will hold the town soon, and he doesn't want to face so many troops. And he adds, we've no time to play cat and mouse. Sydney reassures Harden by telling him that it's all part of the plan, but Harden protests, asking if the Duke's betrayal and the Cardinal's meddling were also part of it. Continuing, Harden adds, and a risk breaker as strong as a bloody titan are all part of your precious plan too, Sydney. And then Sydney just does his classic, looks at him, doesn't he? And he backs down straight away. Yeah, he he realizes he's crossed the line, uh, or he's afraid of Sydney, so he kind of loses it a bit. And then yeah, and he reels himself back in, doesn't he? Every time he kind of crosses the line with Sydney. Sydney then says, uh, "Be calm, Harden. It is of no account." So he's saying it's not very important. Sydney then tends to Merlos. He says she impresses him that she is more concerned about their doings rather than her own fate. And again, she just asks him, what villainy is he planning? And he replies, I am preparing a feast for your friend. Uh, he sticks his hand out and opens his palm at the drawing of the floor he created earlier and speaks aloud an enchantment. Now, did you get did you get the enchantment? Uh, no. Mm, should I give it a go? Yeah, go on. So I've got it wrote down. And I ran it through Google, so let's see if I can replicate it. Gilda Munedes Hati Samota. Colin Rayburn Nars Trebek. Ferdis Rati Salba Glamota. Sabar Kresge Kaldor Walmart. It probably is something, it sounds like Welsh. He then says, Emperor of Shade, descend from the dark. Honour sin-soaked contracts of kinship, lead your beast unto me. So is he making a deal with the devil here? It seems to be like, I don't think it's a deal with the devil. I think he's summoning some kind of a, a demon. I mean, it could be the devil, um, but it seems to be some... The Emperor of Shade seems interesting. So it seems like somebody, a darkness. He, he's opening up some kind of a, uh, a way for this Emperor of Shade to come in. He's not asking for the Emperor of Shade themselves. As he's saying, uh, lead your beast unto me. So it'll be whatever beast of armies this Emperor controls. Yeah. A blue glyph then appears on the ground, which spawns this blue diamond in the air that just kind of rotates, doesn't it? Yeah. It obviously creates a like, sort of power because like Carl's hair is, is all over the place. And she looks over her right shoulder and sees Joshua, who's appeared out of nowhere, sat on a rock. But he's grey like Harden was just moments ago. Yeah. So that indicates that he's not even there, is he? He's just watching. He must be able to reveal himself to just Carl. Yeah, and it looks like the, it's the Duke's son, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, Joshua. And he says, I must help father. The screen fades white, and we're back to Ashley, who's just walked through that door. He's looking up at the sky and questions Melos to himself. So, yeah. do you think he's got some sort of, like, I don't know, sixth sense? I don't know. Maybe whatever the summoning of that Sydney was doing maybe made a noise or some kind of a... Maybe he heard that, and, and he was wondering, is that to do with her? Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, we know... Because we'll be talking about it very soon. 
that the room they're in that's not exactly far away from where Ashley is now, is it? Yeah, no. So it's it's only down to a couple of rooms ahead. Given gameplay again, so we start in this new area called Sanctum. The room is the prisoner's niche, and the music starts to play, which is entitled Sanctum. It's grey and stone, more so than the brown and kind of clay of the previous place. The Sanctum is a sacred place, especially a shrine within a temple or church, or a private place from which most people are excluded. So I think this falls into the first definition, really, when you get the names of the other rooms as well, because I don't know if you've looked at the names of the rooms, but it's called the other rooms, so well, we'll get to it. There's a box puzzle, which was super simple. It was just move a box under the ledge and jump up, and there's two bats in there. And we next move on to what's called the Corridor of Clerics. So that kind of fits in with that first definition, doesn't it, of a yeah. sacred place? Yeah, it's a church. So if you remember this one, it's a square room with four doors. You come in from, from one, then there's one door, and then there's a door to your left, right, there's one straight ahead, and there's, there's two skeletons in the room. Yeah. Straight ahead is what's called the priest's confinement, and this room has about six or seven bats in it, and then did you notice there's a door that you can't access that's up above? Uh, yes. Yeah, so there's two more ways to go, but the best way to go is right to the academia corridor. And again, that's a square room with four entrances. But one of the doors is locked, but it's locked from the other side. Uh, there's an enemy in there, a skeleton. And we go into the west entrance, which is right from our starting position, which is the theology classroom. And this is the one that locks behind and a phantom appears. Oh, the purple ghost guy again, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But there's no timer. I don't think we'll see a timer for another one of these guys ever again. That locks behind. There's not much there. You get a couple of healing items, I think, when you when you beat him. So we go back to the Academia Corridor, turn right, and go into the Shrine of the Martyrs. Which I'm pretty sure there was a Shrine of the Martyrs in the previous area as well. I think so. From last week. So in here, there's just a skeleton and a dog. So we moved on to the next room, which is Hallowed Hope. And that's a very small stairway with a new type of slime. Did you? Was it a new type of slime for you, like an orange one? Well, there was a, it was a yellow slime with an orange center. Yeah, and then it did this move on me called a poison sneeze. Yeah, same. So you beat that, you beat the bat, and now we move on to the Hall of Sacrilege. It's an empty room as you move in. It's got pillars either side of the room to your left and right. It's got a small stairway, and you go down a couple of steps to the floor. As you get to the middle of the room, we get a small cutscene which shows some stones come to life and create like a, um, a giant man. It's obviously magic. He's like Rayman. He's, he's, he's kind of floating, yeah. So this is the golem. Can you tell us anything about golems? Yeah, well, golems, um, they're from Jewish folklore. So normally they're creatures that are created from stone or from clay and they're brought to life by magic. I think the word golem comes from Hebrew. So Hebrew. And in Hebrew, it actually means something that's incomplete or unfinished, so... Yeah. I think that kind of makes sense in the context of that. It's popular in, in legend or folklore of the Jewish folklore. And I guess, you know, you could think of some of the more recent stories similar to Golem, like Frankenstein, you know, reanimating something, bringing it back to life or bringing something to life. And also, um, there was a Golem in The Simpsons. So the Golem of Prague in The Simpsons episode of Treehouse of Horror, um, yeah. where effectively Krusty had gotten this Golem that a, a rabbi had created previously to stop people complaining about him, um, and then Krusty used it as a means of, uh, you put in a, a scroll into their mouth and they, he comes to life and does whatever you can't do, and then Bart gets him. So, yeah, Golem from Jewish folklore. I mean, he has a little non-sequitur, but when me and my partner wanted to say Happy New Year in Russian, because she speaks Russian, in Russian it's um, Snovum Godden. 
but I couldn't say that at first, so I would always just say snowman golem. <laughs> no, that's good bit of information. Well, it's made of stone, right? We've um, we've ascertained that. So how do you how do you crack stone? You use something big and heavy and blunt, right? Yeah, like a mallet. Yeah. So I had nothing on me that was big and heavy and blunt. I had a sharp sword and a pointed sword. I looked over my recording, and it took me seven minutes to defeat this boss. I was just hitting away for ages. I had found something previously, a bottom cleaver, which is a big hammer. So that's what I used, and that worked very well. I mean, it took him a while to kill him, but in one of the rooms, I can't remember which one now, you get this big hammer in a chest um, called a bottom cleaver, um, and that's what I used. Because it made more sense to use that kind of... That's what made sense to use to, to get in. Because I think, as you were saying, those pointy weapons or swords are not going to make any dents. Um, uh, the Tavarish, again, you could use that, I suppose. But the, mm-hmm. the, the cleaver, which is weird, it's called a cleaver because it's not a cleaver, it's armor. Um, worked best. Right. I'm not sure if I have that. I might have. I may have put it in the container. Um, I do need to take sort of inventory and review what weapons I have because I'm really starting to lose efficiency. So when you defeat this golem, it starts to like vibrate and just falls to the ground and disintegrates. Yeah. I got 363,230 points. 350,610. Uh, normal agent. Yeah, same. And plus three agility. I got plus four um, HP. So the loot, we get a couple of curing items, an elixir of dragoons, which gives you some agility points. Now, you're going to have to help me with the French here. The, the Grimoire Amelora? Amelora, is it? Yeah. And I think that probably comes, to, that's probably linked to the word ameliorate. I think that basically means to make something better. What does that Grimoire do? What Can you remember what it's... So, yeah, what that um, Grimoire does, it improves the stats on your gear. But obviously it's linked to the French or probably Latin. A lot of words in English, a lot of words, you know, similar French words and, and, and Italian words and, and those Latin languages, you'll have a lot of them are similar. The English version is just kind of continued across. We then get a, a cutscene which shows a clock becoming active in another room. So this is where we need to head next. Uh, in my actual playthrough, I went to this room first, but then it's a dead end at that point. So you have to double back around. So that's why I haven't talked about it first, really. So we go back through the corridor clerics through to the, the final doors that we hadn't been through. When I was actually back in the corridor, there's two skeletons. Yeah. And my risk was very high. And I know we still haven't spoken about risk yet, but I'm going to this episode actually a bit later. The skeletons, I could not hit them at all. I kept missing every time. And I just decided, to try and put my weapons away and run away to lower the risk because using items I've only got so many items and I just thought I can outpace them and you can actually run away from enemies and if they lose sight of you they just get a a question mark above the head and they'll try and search around for you like Metal Gear Solid when do you get the coward box I found one of those skeletons as well he had a car uh, he he didn't have a coward box he had a crossbow and I found he was very difficult because that crossbow really hurts yeah, some of these some of these enemies really do hurt you. You take off probably a fifth to a quarter of your health with yeah. one hit. And as I say, the, the enemies are getting seem to be getting harder. Like those skeletons, you know, a lot of them are wearing armor, or they've gotten massive weapons like huge swords, or they've got a crossbows. Also, for the first time ever, um, I encountered one of the wolves and the, the, the newer variants of the wolves, and he blew fire on me. Yeah, them hellhounds that can blow fire. I think I've had it once. I think it hits multiple body parts as well. When we go through the last door, the Corridor of Clerics, 
we go to a new area called Advent Ground. And this room has a small ledge followed by a river and another ledge. But that's very high up, about four or five blocks higher than us. And we're immediately attacked by a lizard man. And I think he has a random weapon. I think I went in once and he had a axe and I went the next time and he had a pike or a spear so not much to do there we just move on to the next room which is the passage of the refugees this is another simple box puzzle where you move a crate to the wall and jump up you have to do a little bit of jiggery pokery to get them but it's not not hard but as soon as you get up there's an enemy slime waiting for you so you defeat that and then this is where the floating block become active previously so we ride that to the other side but the lizard man is waiting on the other side for you so you have to fight him from the block did you, did you do that or did you manage to jump off? No, I fought him from the block. So we beat him and we moved back through to the opposite side of the Passage of the Refugees, which has a save point in a container. So it's advisable to save at this point um, because we now go through another set of doors into the Cleansing Chantry. And the Chantry is a chapel. So when we walk in, it's immediately obvious this is the room where Sydney was doing magic just 10 minutes previous. And as Ashley walks in, the camera is behind him and looks to a corner where it's not so obvious, but it's actually a dragon in the corner. But it's uh, it's not fully obvious at first, is it? No, it's not. You know, even though it focuses on it because it's the colour, it's almost the colour of the stone. But this is a proper dragon. Yeah, this is a proper dragon. This isn't a wyvern because it gets up and roars and shoots fire into the air. I'm wondering, is that the beast then? It's in for the beast. That must be the beast that he's summoned. Yeah, that's got to be the beast, yeah, definitely. I dealt with this boss a lot faster than I did with the previous boss because I believe its head is vulnerable to point weapons, so I just used the rapier on it. I was expecting him to be shooting more fire and stuff, so I used the defensive abilities. I, I put on fireproof. Right. Because I was like, oh, well, he's going to burn me. Yeah, the same as you, just focused on his head. Um, I used it to Varish. Tavarish is, you know, your go-to yeah. for any animal kind of thing. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to use that. We beat this, and I got a score of 469,413. I had 455,240. I got a normal rank. Same. And plus three intelligence as a bonus. I got plus three HP again. Nice, you must have a lot of HP at this point. You must be into the nearly 300s. Oh, then, oh yeah, that's, that seemed to be the whole thing. I'll, I just pressed the wheel, and it mm-hmm. gives what it gives. The loot, we get an elixir of sages, which adds some intelligence. And we get the grimoire analyze, which is good, but it's a real pain to use. So when you use it, it brings up this cone in front of you. So it's actually, it's quite a narrow sort of cone. You've got to be looking at the enemy, which can be quite hard to do because obviously you can only move. And I think I'm just using the D-pad. So I've only got like sort of eight degrees of axis. So it means I've got to be looking directly at the enemy to use this. And then it's not a 100% chance to hit. But when it does hit and it collects the information, you then need to open the menu, scroll down to status, which brings up Ashley. Then use R1 and L1 to move between people that you've analysed in the battlefield. So then when you do there, you press square. It gives you the different stats. It tells you if they're weak to or strong to blunt or pointed or edged. And then it tells you their affinities. So it is good. It's too cumbersome to use. It could be... I mean, it wouldn't fly nowadays with, with game design. It would um, it would be far more streamlined. It is good for later on. Next, we go to the stairway to light, and there's nothing to do here. It's just a room. You just walk on up. And when we go through that door, we get a cutscene. Ashley opens the doors, and as they open, the daylight burns his eyes, so he uses his hand to shield them. And he slowly lowers his arm, then walks through the stairs. As Ashley gets to the top of the stairs, we can hear bells. 
The camera then cuts to over the town and flies over it like a drone shot, finally settling and focusing on a man with a blonde bowl haircut. You, there's one thing that I, I, I when you came out of the, um, the underground place, was there a clock tower in front of you? There was a clock tower. So yeah, that's where the tolls were coming from, and it was very sinister kind of tolls. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether it's relevant or, or makes any difference, but the time was, I believe it was one o'clock. It's about 12 hours since the burning of the manor, isn't it, roughly? So two knights come running over to this blonde bullcup man, and he asks them for an update. One of them responds, just a workshop, nothing else here, and then adds, but we still have no word from Squad 3. The blonde man then questions that they are dead. The third man begins to tell him that they could not do something, but he's interrupted with, did you verify their corpses? third man then apologises and he is slapped in the face by the first man and is insulted with coward. Ye are staying on their... Uh, escutcheon. It's, um, escutcheon. It's yes. a shield, isn't it? It's an emblem. Um, yeah, it's a coat of arms, basically. So what he's saying is he's, he's such a coward that he doesn't deserve to have, like, to, to bear the symbol, as it were, isn't it? You're not fit to wear the badge. The blonde man says losing them could not be helped and he prays that fate will not be as cruel as mistress to us. He then orders the two men to search for the rat hole that Mullenkamp has been hiding in. The two men acknowledge this and run off. After the go, speaking to himself, he says, I, for one, cannot leave this accursed city soon enough. So he obviously doesn't like it. No, he doesn't want to be there. We cut back to Ashley and the gameplay resumes. This area... When we get there, there's no music. It's just sound effects, but it's like wind with birds. It's it's quite nice. I think you can hear the water as well because there's a lot of water by us. And where we start is Rue Vermilion, which Rue is French for street. Yes. And Vermilion is a colour, isn't it? Is it deep red? Yeah, I think so, yeah. So it's like the street of blood. <laughs> so there's four exits. The one which we came in, and there's one blocked with a crimson key. The next place to go would be, I think it's northwest from where we start, which is the Rene Coast Road. And this is where we just saw the three men, and there's a workshop in there called Magic Hammer. So I went here, and I repaired all my equipment, to be honest, and stored some items. Yeah, same. Yeah, there's a lot of, I've got a lot of items I need storing because I was, I was running dangerously low on space and I hadn't repaired my equipment because, to be honest, it was just something I totally forgot. I think we probably need to read the manual a little bit. Nobody reads manuals. Did you then go to this other exit that's there? There's another exit just around the corner from the workshop. Uh, yes. And you get a, another cutscene. Yeah, and you're, you're eavesdropping on some more nights. Yeah, so there's like sort of six men lounging around the street and two of them are talking. One asks the other if they found anything, which he replies, nothing. And the first man says they should join the others, but they'd have to cross the river. And before you can finish, the second man replies, it's too dangerous inside the walls and that you heard what befell our brothers. They finish with, cold ones will not walk under the sun, but night will fall. The camera then cuts back to Ashley and he talks to himself, stating that he must find another way around. So we have to backtrack basically through the Rennie Coast Road, back to Rue Vermilion, and then to the third accessible exit. So we get another cutscene now, where Ashley is eavesdropping again, isn't he? Yeah, he seems to like eavesdropping. That's why, I guess, you know, he's a spy to all intents and purposes, or he's used to, you know, creeping around and listening in on conversations. Definitely. Um, 
I noticed he sort of presses himself up against the wall, again, like Solid Snake might do in, in MGS. So he's looking at this knight, and the knight is actually... He's around the corner, but he's across the river, on the other side of the river. He has a injured prisoner on the ground, which he's interrogating. The knight takes a knee and warns the man if he answers his questions, he will let him live, and demands to know where Sydney's hiding. The prisoner tells the knight to save his breath, and that you fools think the dark will bend to you. The knight replies, we are prelates of the Lord, scum. So a prelate, I think, is a, like a bishop. Yeah. I... Or, or another high, sort of a high-ranking person within the church. Yeah, so these are the guys of the, the blades of the cardinal, basically. Yeah, the crimson blades. Yeah. He then adds, we are not here to bend ought, we come here to cleanse. So when he says bend ought, does he mean he means like just anything, doesn't he? He's just basically saying, we're not here to bend anything, we're here to come destroy. The prisoner spits into the face of the knight, who in turn grabs him by the head and whacks it against the door. I'm assuming at this point he's just referring to God, because he says um, there is still time to pray and he may forgive. Yeah, I'm assuming, yeah. He said, you know, now there's still time, pray, perhaps he will forgive, and I will pardon your sins in his name. So, obviously, I guess it's, you know, they, these are the people on the prelates of the Lord, i.e. God. Um, yeah. And the other side are the people who are following the dark or Sydney. The prisoner then says, go to hell, and then dies, and he disintegrates and particles come off him. Voice from off screen says, so end those who serve the dark. In walks Guildenstern, but is it Guildenstern? We don't know, do we? No, it's someone who looks like Guildenstern. Yeah, so it could be him, could be Sydney. I mean, Guildenstern might not even exist. Yeah, who knows? He might just be a completely fictional person made up by Sydney to gain sort of rank within the Crimson Blades, but I'm assuming it is a person. I'm assuming right now that Sydney only sort of um, showed up as him once to give them orders, and that was it. Yeah, no, I think that's right. Now we know these knights are Crimson Blades because we thought they were. But it's obviously confirmed now at this point. A woman follows Guildenstern down and she has a like a crest tattooed on her like right hand of her chest. Well, I thought it looked like a rose tattoo on, on her right breast. Yeah. She stops and says, what mean you? As in, what do you mean? To Guildenstern. He turns to her and replies, the dark is formless and invisible. It invades the body like a plague, an unseen visitor, yet those it taints become undying. She questions what he means by undying, and he says, they do not die. Which is like, it's, it's like, what do you mean by undying? Uh, it, it means they do not die. Well, thanks for that clarification. Now I, now I understand. <laughs> yeah. And then she says, but didn't this guy just die? This is actually a throwback to the AJ Dry Quotes, isn't it? About the soul. Yeah. Guildenstern asks, what is death? Is it not the ruination of the flesh? So he's talking about saying, you know, the body dies then are you dead and he says that is actually death but it's only one aspect of the meaning of death and that true death is death of the soul he says although their flesh has decayed their souls will wander eternally so this is what aj durai was saying wasn't he in the um the introduction about the soul having to be tormented and beg borrow and steal bodies then of course we saw the dullahan stealing souls yeah, and then you have all of these um, zombies and skeletons and stuff running around the place. He adds, trapped in purgation, they yearn for life. So purgation is in purgatory, presumably. Yeah. He adds, they seek bodies without souls. And this is why we have corpses that walk. 
which I've got a bit of a problem with because it's like someone's body dies, the soul leaves, then this other soul is just like hiding around the corner and then steal this body and be like, oh, I'm in a body now, brilliant. Well, it's like Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. He then addresses the first knight as Grissom and says, meet up with Tiger and go crush Mullenkamp. Grissom then walks off. The woman then wonders if this will happen to them, but Guildenstern reassures her that she will not die and there is one person who has found immortality. They kiss, and she says, let us search for this Sydney. Ashley then deducts from this that the Cardinal is seeking immortality. Someone off-screen replies to Ashley's rhetoric and says, that's right, but you shouldn't be concerned. Ashley then turns to see the blonde-haired bull-cut man standing at the top of the ramp with another knight. From behind, a third knight runs in, and the blonde man says, an incomplete death is more than a VKP butcher deserves. So then we go into a boss fight. Well, the other interesting thing about this as well is the Cardinal. You're getting to understand his motives now a bit more. He is obviously interested in himself. Um, He's coming across as the Crimson Blades as serving the Lord and, you know, being on against the side of dark. But it seems to be that the Cardinal is looking to get this immortality. He wants Mm -hmm. Sidney to maybe help him or tell him how to live forever. Yeah, so I don't know what they plan to do. Do they plan to find Sydney, bring him to the Cardinal, you know, to show him the black magic or to force him somehow to let the Cardinal be immortal? Yeah, I mean, and, you know, that raises a number of other things then as well. What is the relationship between the Duke and Sydney? We know that they had it, the Duke was backing him. What's the relationship between the Cardinal and Sydney? What's the relationship between the monarchy and Sydney and the church and all of these these people? At the moment, it seems like people are chasing Sydney, but why are they chasing him? That's true. And given that we're only about three and a bit hours in the game at this point, I believe it's quite a lot of story now. Things are starting to make sense. It's all starting to come together. So this room is the Turkulous Flow, and it's a boss fight. So it's three people, three humans. What they kind of do is they sort of run in, try to hit you, then run out. But the, the main guy, who is Dwayne, which is like a D-U-A-N-U-E, I think. Not, not, not as in Dwayne as in D-W-A-N-E. Like the Rock Johnson. If you smell... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's, not, he's definitely not the Rock Johnson, is he? So these two guys sort of run in while the, the third, the main guy, holds back. One of the knights is vulnerable to pointed weapons, which you find out if you use the analyze spell, while the other two yeah, are vulnerable to edge weapons. So the two knights are pretty easy. I took them out really fast with a couple of chains, but for me, the main boss was a complete pain. I couldn't cause more than two, three damage at the start of a chain. Okay. And I would be chained together, sort of, I think I hit 15 or 16 chains to beat him, but out of them 16, I'd maybe land four or five hits at best. Yeah. And my risk kept hitting 100 all the time. What I I found as well, well, the first thing to say is that I was surprised that this guy was using spells. So he used poison on me, poison mist. Yeah, and did he use explosion spell? Yeah, he used explosion as well. But what I used for him, I used a scimitar, so obviously an edged weapon. But but I found that if you aim at these characters' legs, because they don't have armor down there as much, I think that did a lot more damage. Yes, I hit him in the legs purely because it had a higher percentage to hit. So when I had zero risk, it was 100%. But then when I had 100 risk, it was it was only a couple of percent, but everything else was zero. So we haven't spoke about risk. And all risk is, it goes from zero to 100. And as it goes up, your accuracy goes down. And the way it's explained is that 
actually, the more he fights, he loses his concentration, which makes it sound like he's got ADD, to be honest, or ADHD. He's, like, hitting stuff, and he's like, oh, I'm pretty bored of this now. I think I'll uh, start, start do, thinking of something else. But do as well as he's a risk breaker, so... Yeah, I've I've never I've never actually put the thought into them two things being connected. It probably is. Yeah, that's what I would say. I did use a few items to lower the risk, which I think is it a Vera bulb? I think that lowers your risk. Yeah. But it took me twenty minutes in total to do this battle. Okay, it didn't take me that long. But when I did it, I got a score of five hundred and seventy thousand seven hundred and fifty-four. Okay, mine was five hundred and fifty-six thousand two hundred and sixty. I got a rank of gladiator, which is new because I've had normal agent every time to this point. Yeah, I also got gladiator. And then bonus, I got plus three strength. I got plus three intelligence. Uh, you know, after everyone's been listening to you for the past month, I don't think you need more intelligence, really. You know, <laughs> you come up with all these great facts. So we got some loot. Um, we got a magnolia Frau, which which is German. So what? It's the magnolia woman, okay. the white woman. The white woman. Well, well, I mean magnolia. It's more cream, isn't it? The cream woman. Steel magnolias. That's a movie. I haven't seen it. I've not seen it. I don't know why I'm saying it. It's just random. We got a wizard robe, which is high defense against um, magic, I believe. We get the crimson key to go back through the door. That was back in Ruva Million, which is one screen over. We get a grimoire, Demolier, which is the explosion spell, like demolition, yeah. I believe that is. Mm. And a second grimoire is a pronounced clef in French. Yeah. It's French for key, and it opens chests that are locked. So that makes makes a lot of sense. I didn't understand any of this when I first played this when I was, what? When when did say this come out? 2000, so 2001, so I was 17, 18 when this came out. Yeah. Um, You were a lot older than me, I think. I'm really old. I'm eternal. I'm, not, I'm just trying to think of the word clef. I mean, clay is the French for a key. I thought clef was more music, but so a key is in the musical sense. Yes, keys in a music song because a clef, because you get like a double clef or a single clef, don't you? A triple clef, yeah. So clef yeah. is key. It kind of adds up, but kind of doesn't add up at the same time. Yeah, because clay is a key. Obviously, it make a, a key that opens a door, but yeah. clef as a key is in music. So they're, they're using that, the, the, the musical version of it. I mean, that could just be because, I don't know, maybe it's the localizers, maybe it's English wasn't their first language, you know. So this was coming to the end of the time where localization for games from Japan to English could sometimes be very hit or miss, to be honest. Okay. After we defeat Dwayne and his men, we get another cutscene. Ashley turns to see Guildenstern is watching him from across the river. Some sort of dramatic music plays and Guildenstern just turns away and walks off like he doesn't really care, does he? He just watches things. Uh. I don't know. I think they have a moment. So he shows up in the area of the river and they kind of mm-hmm. stare into each other's eyes for a few seconds and then he just turns <laughs> back and walks away. So <laughs> I broke back mountain, you know. <laughs> no, he's, he's, I don't know what he's thinking, but it is, it's not just a, oh, look what happened over there. I'm going to go away now. He, he, it looks like he's staring him out or something or he's letting him know i know what you've done do you think they've got like some sort of like deep seething hatred between each other at this point i don't think they've ever met each other maybe i don't know yeah no i don't think they have actually i think you're right there maybe he's just looking at him thinking you're getting in my way i will destroy you later we go back to rue vermilion and we save for next time what do you think how, how do you think this session went in terms of gameplay did you did you enjoy it yeah, as I say, I think the game, you know, the enemies are getting a bit more challenging. Yeah. Um, as you say, the story is starting to make more sense. I'm also sick of killing bats, so it's good to be out of 
yeah, all the underground. Um, but yeah, it's 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 starting to get a bit more interesting, and also developing the the abilities, the battle abilities and stuff, um, and then now having time to look at what the different weapons do and um, using uh, magic is is also more interesting. And considering last week we didn't even fight a boss, we have now fought three bosses in probably twenty minutes. Yeah. So it's it's getting very boss heavy now, and I do believe this is kind of the pace of the game for quite a while. I think there's somewhere close to 50 bosses in total, so there's still a lot of bosses to go because we're probably only fought five, six, really, so, yeah. I mean, some of the bosses are a bit more difficult. I didn't even realise that Dwayne was a boss until the congratulations came after killing him. I did remember this part, and I do remember some parts of the next sections as well, but so I, I did know it was a boss, but, you know, it, I don't recall him being so difficult the last time I played, I, I clearly, I'm clearly doing something wrong. Like I say, I wasn't using that same weapon as you were. I was just, I'm still trying to use that Fandango, and that's the starting weapon. Yeah. And maybe we are too far in the game for me to be trying to use the starting weapon. Plus, I've not used any of the gems. I don't think the Fandango takes gems. The Rapier does take a gem, but probably still need to start an attempt to use these gems to advantage. So that's it for this evening. We get to the save point, save our progress, and return to the real world. Thank you very much for listening. We really appreciate it. We are on Facebook as Retrospective Replay if you want to join in on the conversation. You can also email us at retrospectivereplay at gmail.com with any comments, questions or patch notes. Until next week, good night and Godspeed. <laughs>